podcast we talk anime manga nerdy news and i sit down and have some really really dope conversations with some people in the blurred community if this is your first time here welcome i am so happy that you made it and if this is your second time here because this is episode two i appreciate you hey yo baby take me out to dinner because i love you So we're here. It's episode two. I am really, really thankful for everyone who sent me kind words in regards to episode one. We talked about how that was a really scary thing for me, but look, look, we made it. So thank you. Um, I appreciate all the criticism. I appreciate all the praise and just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. On this episode, it's going to be another interview episode, um, and I sit down with Yedik Mack of Death Bride Comic, and we talk about identity, we talk about rooting for yourself and putting it all on the table. We also talk about her comic, Death Bride Comic. Well, per usual, uh, we're going to get straight into it. I'm going to take you guys straight into the interview, and I will see you back here afterwards. Peace. Hi, Edith. So tell us a little bit about yourself. So I grew up in Dallas, Texas, for those of you who are out there. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, I grew up, I went to, I grew up in Dallas, um, like right in the heart of it where downtown is. Uh, a lot of people say I grew up in the hood. Yes, I did. <laughs> yes. So, you know, it was a if it was a different type of uh, environment trying to live there, you know, and trying to break the stereotypes of being a kid or female at that from South Dallas and trying to write comic books. So it was a very interesting type of lifestyle. I can at least say that. And what originally got you started into drawing? Uh, my mom definitely did. It's going to sound really generic, but my mom had me drawing when I was at least about three years old. Um, she would just sit me down at the kitchen table because she homeschooled me for quite a while until at least I was in kindergarten. And then she sent me on to, you know, regular school. But she used to draw with me all the time. And that's really where it started. Everyone in my family can draw, but I'm the only one that actually said, I'm going to make a career out of it. So everyone else just draws in their free time, but I draw 
for a career. That's really cool. So what made you start pursuing drawing as a career? Um, I actually can say that I started doing that really late in life. Um, growing up, I was always the kid uh, that could, that everyone knew I could draw, you know, whenever there was a project, you know, everybody would come and, hey, can you draw my whatever, whatever for such and such class? As if the teacher wasn't gonna know I drew it. But, you know, that's, I, I really, you know, started drawing uh, career-wise very late. Um, I was going to the Art Institute after I went to the Army, because I wanted to go when I, you know, after high school, like everybody else got to go. But my mom was like, yeah, I'm not paying for that. So I went to the <laughs> Army, did some college in the Army. And then when I got out, I went to the Art Institute. And that's when I decided, you know, I'm going to make a career out of it. That's hilarious. I feel like especially for us people of color like that's the answer to everything like you gotta go to the <laughs> army you go have to, you're gonna have to join the air force okay i don't have money for the stuff that you're talking about so you're going to have to go to the army you're gonna have to join the air force um, <laughs> that's how it's gonna be half of my family is also in the service both of um my my dad and my stepmom are both in the service or retired both of my brothers and my sister have also done time in the service. So I also have that kind of background. How was that growing up? Were either of your parents in the service as well? Yeah, my dad was in the Air Force. He did like 20, 22 years, something like that. He was in there for quite a bit. By the time I was actually even able to like know what was going on, he had already retired. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. Wow. So did your parents have you a little bit later in their life too? Uh, my mom, yeah. I, well, if you want to consider 28 later, I guess. Yeah, my mom had me at 28. So, you know, there's that. The older <laughs> I get, the, the less um, 28 feels like old. Like, I feel like when we were younger, 28 felt like that's, that's old. That's old to have kids. Yeah. But... <laughs> <laughs> but exactly. now that I'm 30 that doesn't that doesn't feel that old to me yeah it's like it feels like really you're just getting started yeah I definitely still feel um like a kid myself a lot of the time <laughs> so I, I really like couldn't even imagine exactly I feel like a kid until there's other people in the room who are like late teenagers or something and I'm like ooh, ew <laughs> <laughs> exactly the same i didn't realize that until recently um where i was just like yo i when i'm around younger people i'm like yo i am old as fuck like even the way that they talk and like the way that they think about things and move through the world i'm just like wow i see why older people used to be like annoyed with me when i was younger because it's like bruh like why are you why are you moving like that <laughs> I, like my bad i didn't know <laughs> It's, it's really funny though. Um, so back to the art, you said that you started your career um, because you've always wanted to be an artist and that's why you joined the military. What was the turning point where you were really just like, I wanna go full force into this and really make this my thing? That I can actually give that to COVID. <laughs> when everybody was stuck in the house and like everything shut down like the whole world just like stopped so I can definitely give it to that 
And also when I was pregnant with my son, who is now one, um, those two were definitely big motivating factors for me. Okay. Uh, and I feel like a lot of people have had like that COVID. I feel like COVID was like a renaissance for a lot of us, like closeted, not closeted artists, but people who had kind of let their dreams fall on the back burner because we actually had time to like sit with ourselves and think about what was going on, not just in the world, but within ourselves and what we wanted to do going forward because the future was so uncertain. Is that the kind of feeling that you had or did you just, I had a lot of time. So I started creating more. A little bit of both. Um, you know, it, it had, you know, I, for, I was pregnant. It was probably around my fourth, fifth month or so. I'll say at the latest, I'll say six months. It didn't really dawn on me that I was bringing another child into this world until I was six months. Like, <laughs> it didn't really just affect me. Like, I mean, yeah, I had the morning sickness and all the, you know, other type of stuff, but it just didn't hit like mentally that, oh, wow, this is happening for real. So, yeah, it was definitely a lot of just sitting around and thinking and, you know, just find, trying to be like, it's either now or never. <laughs> It's either now or never. And that's that's a lot of like stress, especially since you were pregnant during the pandemic and then thinking about how you wanted to move your career forward. Did you feel stressed out during that time or what was your thought process? Was it more, I wanna build something for my kid? Um, It was more so like, yeah, now it's more, you know, I wanna build something for my son. Uh, but at that time, it was more so like, I've been doing this off and on for the past 10 years, and 10 years seem to have gone by in the blink of an eye, and I yeah. still don't have any, I don't have any panels written, I don't have any, uh, really just any type of dialogue written, like, what am I doing? And so I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do it. Whatever happens, just happens. So. Love that. I love that. I th people talk a lot about how having kids kind of like reinstills their mortality. And every time I talk to somebody who is either pregnant or about to have a kid or has several kids, they reaffirm that, that having a child really makes you realize where you are in life and where you want to be, whether you want it to or not. Yeah, that's really cool. So let's talk a little bit about death bride itself. Um, where did you get this idea? Because reading the comic, it's not, it's past similar themes to things that I've read before, but it's not like anything else that I've really read. Like the experience reading it and even your art style is just very unique. I appreciate that. Thank you. So the, the story itself really just came from a kid in fifth grade having nothing else to do with their time um because I do have older siblings but they are that they are older my sister is 10 years older than me and my brother is eight years older than me so by the time I was you know old enough to you know at least write and you know have some type of conscience with that I was in fifth grade they were already gone out the house so it was, I basically lived like 
pretty much like an only child. And so a lot of that was just spent, you know, being in my room and creating these characters and weird storylines and all kinds of stuff that I would just come up with. So that's how that happened. And the main character, how did you get the concept for her personality? Because that's that is my favorite part of Death Bride. I definitely can see myself in her. I won't say that we're super similar, but I can see myself in her. I like that you made it like she cusses and she's like very sassy. So where did that come from? So Krenza, I like to think of as a fictional version of myself. Um, Not totally myself. I would definitely say there are some of my personality traits in there. But she's also a mixture of, you know, a lot of different people, Um, you know, so that's how I wanted to bring this character together, because as the story goes on, I won't give any spoilers, but as the story goes on, there are some things where I wouldn't want people to be like, oh, this must have happened to her. That's how she knows, you know, no, no, no. I do have an imagination that is very broad. But, you know, some things, yes, I did go through some things I did not go through, you know, some things other people may have went through and you know I twisted it around to make it you know fit the story and you know pick and pull basically is how I built a lot of these characters. I saw that at the very uh beginning of the the comic too it said that these are all fictional stories any coincidence based on based on reality is purely that coincidence and I was that was a good way to kind of start it off I know people put that usually in works of art but I thought wow I wonder why she put this just right here smack dab on like the first page before you even get started with the story and you explaining that (laughs) yes because you never know like if this ever blows up big I do not need nobody coming this I had this happen to me and this is where first off you're not the only person in the world this could happen to anybody so there's that Sounds, sounds like it's gonna get juicy and I like I like juicy so it sounds like we're gonna get some some really uh deep themes in the story can you say that without giving away any spoilers absolutely so like I said I started writing Death Bride when I was about 10 years old um I can say that the story plot actually did not really change that much since then uh I may have changed like certain key points um certain physical looks of characters certain character traits you know things like that but for the most part it's still the same story um you know and at that time of course being 10 years old you know it was written for other 10 year olds but as I got older I was like nah we're definitely gonna change this and um I actually had a comic book company uh, over in Oklahoma City I was pitching my book to them. They have it on their shelves now. So yay for that. I saw that. That uh, is so awesome. (laughs) Yes. But, you know, even they asked me, they said, is this shonen or, and they asked me the same thing. And I'm like, you know, for years I thought that I could write for shonen, you know, in the shonen demographic. But a lot of the topics that I want to cover or, you know, suggest and all that, I just, I personally don't feel like I could get how I wanted with Shonen, you know, because that's, you know, what is it like 13 or like 18 year olds or whatever. 
And I, think it's, I want I think to get it's to even younger than that. I think it's even younger than that. I think it's like yeah. 12, but yeah. Yeah, and a lot of the topics I want to cover ain't for them. So, yeah. <laughs> and that's no offense against them. You know, I know there are some shows that can do that, but I just don't feel comfortable doing it for them. So that's why I was like, 18 and up, you know, I can do whatever I want. Ain't got a sense or nothing. Boom. Listen, I love it. That was one of the things that drew me to Death Bride because I was just kind of randomly searching for, you know, black creators who make mangas or comics. And I stumbled upon Death Bride and I was like, and it's 18 plus, say less. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really difficult to, well, it's not difficult, but I will say I've struggled personally to find things to read that are for adults like and that have adult th adult themes without it being like super super adult so i like that i like that she cusses i like that we're, we're getting titties off the bat in the in the comic i was like yes we're getting a lot <laughs> we're getting <laughs> we're getting a lot of sexual energy i love that it's giving it's very much giving adult and I love that in the story. Is the story going to progress to give us more adult themes? Are we gonna find out what Death Bride means? Cause I didn't really get any of that in the first volume. And I was like, come on. <laughs> so I can actually tell you that without even spoiling anything. So okay. the way I got the title for my story, I it, and this wasn't even the first title. I've had many other titles for this particular story. And I had those titles for years, but I was like, I can find something a little better. So those titles are still on the back burner. I might use those for future series, we never know. But I got the title for Death Bride, similar to the way Post Malone got his name for his name. I was on Facebook and <laughs> on Facebook and you know how you see those posts that'll say um if your birth month is this month yes. and you know you have on this color shirt and you know it was one of this those is your rapper of name your rapper name is the last yes. thing you ate <laughs> yes bro yes and one day I never look for years I never did those and one day I was like you know what I'm gonna do it just see what I get bro I got death right and I was like, it's a banger. And I stuck with it ever since. It's now, a banger. That's the one right there. That's the one. But look, that wasn't even the whole title. It had a whole nother part to it. And really, that was going to be the story. But I was like, you know what? The whole thing is perfect. But I'm going to save that part for a second series. So yes i was like that's what we're gonna do so y'all won't know the second the rest of the story name until the second series yay i can at least I say that i love that i love that you can really find inspiration anywhere and i think that that is hilarious that you were just like boom death bride i love that like i'm rocking with it i love that mm -hmm. <laughs> and the name so fit the story like it wasn't just a random long title name that was just like odd it actually fits the story that's really cool so the main character is, what is her ethnicity? Cause she's brown and I, I call everybody black, but I would like to ask you, what is her actual ethnicity? Cause I also noticed that you talked a lot about like locations mm -hmm. in so, the comic. Mm -hmm. Yes, so I'm glad you said that. Um, 
you heard it first here. So maybe if this does blow up eventually one day, you heard it from me and Miss Moody. Krenza is black. Krenza is most definitely black. She Let's is go. actually from Earth. She is from the U.S. and she is from Texas. So yes, she is most definitely black. Let's go, black magical girls from Texas. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I say that with pride. I love that. I love that. And so what made you decide on that? Have you always wanted to have a POC main character or was it you wanted someone that was a reflection of yourself? What made you choose a black magical girl from Texas? I will definitely elaborate on this because I feel like it needs to be said. Um, I already spoke about a little bit how I grew up. Um, I didn't, I'm, I'm from Dallas. I was born there, but my dad was Air Force. So we lived all over the place. Um, before he retired, we was living in a little town in Texas. Um, that's where he retired at. And we stayed there after his retirement for quite some time. And a lot of my young childhood was there. Um, it was a predominantly white town. Um, I had many friends. I really didn't experience racism too often. I think I probably experienced it at least once. And then the rest after that was more so like, um, I'd say more so like prejudice versus just full on being, you know, flat out racist. Because, um, you know, the, the kids, especially back in that time, you know, being seven, eight years old, you don't know really what you're saying. You know, all you're doing is repeating what you heard somewhere else. So you don't understand the severity of what it is you're saying. And uh, so with that being said, I most definitely did have identity issues uh, with, you know, how I was being one of the few uh, black children at the elementary school I went to. Uh, we didn't have that many black teachers. We probably you know what? I don't think we had any actual black teachers. We had like the teacher assistants, but not an actual like teacher. Um, so, you know, that was something as well. You know, and some people may say, oh, well, they're just kids. They don't see color. Da, 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 da. And it's like, you're right. They we, we didn't. I didn't. But at the same time, it's just how the situation itself would just kind of play out. So even though the kids didn't see color, you still had teachers there who, you know, did, you know, and treated children a certain type of way. And becoming an adult now, looking back on it and just looking at how things happen today, I feel like some people, you granted, you do have those some people who are full out, you know, racist or whatever but then you also have those people who honestly don't feel like they are but they don't understand that some of the things they say and or think have roots in you know racist thoughts and things like that and so I think that's what happened with me when I was going to the school I went to growing up and um you know white is the default white is the default and nowadays, if you see a story where somebody is not white, you have that one guy that's being like, oh, they're trying to make this political. Well, what's wrong with them? They was white all these other years. Why are they trying to make them black now? You know, and it's like, if that's really what you got from this, then you are part of the problem. So, yeah, that, that's how that happened. A lot of my characters growing up were white. 
you know, and it's not because I didn't want them to be black, but I mean, just by default, that's what I always saw on TV. And my mom, we can thank her for that. She's like, why do you have all your characters white? You don't have not one black character. And I thought about it and I was like, I really don't. Let me fix that. And so I, I changed one of the characters to be black, which is Krenza. Uh, Krenza did used to be white. The hair was the same. Uh, all of that was the same, but she was just white. And uh, so I made her black. I made her black probably back in 2005. And she's wow. been black ever since. Wow. I love that. And also, okay, so the, I have two things that I wanted to ask you. Yeah. With your identity issues growing up, I also went to an elementary school where it was majority white people and I was one of maybe three black kids and we had zero black teachers. But I don't think that I ever, I never really internalized any kind of identity issues, I don't think, because everyone else in my life was extra black. So I don't think, I don't think that that was ever really a thing for me. Um, but I did want to ask you, do you feel like your parents ever contributed to that feeling like you had identity issues or because it sounds like your mom was very much like supportive of like you pursuing black blackness. Would you agree yeah. with that or how was that for you? I, I can agree with that. Uh, both of my parents were. Um, my school was a lot like any other schools, you know, who are predominantly uh, white. And during Black History Month, I can remember every year for Black History Month, we would learn about Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks. We didn't learn about nobody else. It was just them. <laughs> and my mom used to ask me every year, she's like, what are you learning about in school? And I would tell her, and she's like, you said that last year. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, so I had to learn my Blackness, unfortunately, at home. That didn't change until we moved back to Dallas sometime in 2007. And I went to Lincoln, or well, before that, I went to Pearl C. Um, Pearl C, unfortunately, is no longer a school anymore, but they didn't tear it down because it's a historical landmark. So that's good. But um, yeah, that, you know, and why would they even do that? Like, why out of all the schools there, you pick the one school that was a historical landmark in South Dallas for Black people and be like, yeah, we're not going to make that school anymore. <laughs> like, dang, okay. You know, so yeah, I had to really learn all of that from my mom and my dad. And another question that I have for you was, why is, and I don't know if this is actually the love interest, but the other main character that we see in volume one, was he always white or why didn't you decide to change him to a black character as well? So with Silvani, Silvani, I also made during the same time, um, during the same time I did Krenza. Uh, mm -hmm. Back in that day, I was on a roll, just making characters, just just making characters, not, not giving them names, not giving them background stories, just drawing people. And he was one of the persons I drew and he had a whole thing going. I had like background stories and, you know, siblings and all this type of stuff actually ended up not using but you know maybe maybe I'll use it later who knows but uh he was one of the characters who's always been uh white I, I say white because his skin is fair to be honest I don't know what he would be I don't know if he would be white I don't know if he would be Asian I don't know if he'd be mixed I don't know he's just a fair skin character okay cool I, I respect that when I saw it because I was really excited 
obviously because the main character was black and then I was reading and then I was like oh but the the hot love interest is white man not anything against white people but I was just really hoping for like <laughs> you know a little black love action but it makes sense now that you've explained it because one he starts off as a, a white wolf right or a white dog yeah so it makes sense that he would be a fair-skinned, ambiguous character because we don't really know at this point where he's from even. So I think that that makes sense that you said that he's, you know, he doesn't have any kind of race. He's just ambiguously fair-skinned and that's cool. You know, and I think it's funny you say love interest. You know, I've had other people come and tell me, they was like, oh my gosh, are they gonna be boyfriend and girlfriend? And I'd be like, well, one, I can't tell you that because where's the fun in that? You know, but yeah. I can say I, I do like to throw this out there. Let I don't want people to forget that Silvani is a wolf first. He's he is a wolf. Like, yeah, you know, he could turn to a human, but Silvani is a wolf, you know, yeah. and just like any other dogs, if you have a dog or a pets or anything like that, they are always up under you and they have no sense of personal boundaries. So before people say that their love interest, you know, I guess it could be speculated, but always yeah. remember before you say that their love interest, he is a dog, you know. And that's and what I was thinking too. I was wondering like, because that's why I said it like that, maybe love interest, because he was giving, like, like you said, very, I'm trying to be up under you, I'm trying to be all up in your space, girl. He was giving that, but also it didn't, not only did it not seem reciprocated, but it didn't ever really seem romantic in nature. Yes, and some people have, I can say, caught up on that, and, you know, others didn't, and that's cool, too, because I want people to have fun when they read it, you know, yeah. so if you have dogs, then you'll understand, even even when you reprimand them for doing something bad, you know, whether they potty on the floor or whatever, even when you reprimand them, they still be all like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry, you know, they'd be <laughs> all sad and stuff, so that's how I wanted to portray his emotions with, um, you know, while being human as well, that those emotions pass even when he's in human form. That is dope. That is really dope. And it tells that you put a lot of thought behind the creation of your characters. I love characters that have actual, like well fleshed out emotions and thought processes. And that makes me really excited. Yeah, so it makes them real. It does. It is what makes them real. A lot of times we get these very basic stock characters or when it's a magical kind of series, their whole character and personality is defined by their powers, which is, is okay. But I feel like giving them emotions, especially how you described him being a dog and him still having that innate need to just be loyal and to be affectionate to his owner. I love that. I really like that a lot. Yeah. I also noticed um, that we got some, <laughs> I say it like that because I'm, I'm probably about to say something naughty. I also noticed at the end of volume one, and I'm not going to spoil that we got a little bit of additional action and not even just at the end, but we also got some throughout uh, volume one with her and other women. And also I'm feeling that kind of same energy like that sexual energy and they kind of hinted to what the energy may be I kind of wanted you to talk about that a little bit more without giving any kind of spoilers about the series this is going to be hard because I never really thought this part through as okay. far as how to explain it 
but okay. I mean, it is what it is. Um, I'm writing volume two now. So I, if I slightly spoil it now, it's okay because I already explained it the first page of, um, volume. of volume two because okay. I'm literally drawing it now. Um, so that the, that dark energy is basically, um, I'm not going to say human because there's a lot of different races in my story that aren't necessarily human, but I feel like for me, I feel like emotions travel across every living thing. So whether you're human or whatever you are, you know, you're still going to have those basic emotions. And in this particular story, dark energy is basically uh, negative emotions. Or, you know, some people could think, you know, that sexual emotions are in some way negative as well. So that's what that is. Okay, so I wasn't just imagining things because when I was reading it, I was definitely picking that up. And I was like, we're getting a lot of... Um illusions around energy but also getting a lot of like sexual tension throughout this entire volume so I wonder if that's intentional if it's just for shock value if it has a real purpose in the story so it does hmm, it definitely I does like, and I, like I wish it. I could talk about it because it gets so much deeper than, than just that but I just can't talk about it right now I like it you giving me you giving me and I think anybody who's listening more than enough um, for us to be like, okay, okay, I'm, I'm in, I'm a ride. I'm gonna find out what's <laughs> going on next. Cause definitely when I finished, I was just like, like I said, it's such a unique story, but there's layers, there's layers mm -hmm. to it. And the dialogue, the dialogue is not, you know, overcomplicated. You're not putting paragraphs on the pages, but the way that you have written it and giving us other things, as far as how the characters interact with each other, is the bulk of what led me to these conclusions because nothing about the dialogue that you wrote really tells us any of this stuff but your art is such a vital piece like you really have to pay attention to how the characters are interacting with each other to get some of this stuff as well i'm so glad you said that because that that was the main thing i was telling my husband when i was still writing volume one i said like i don't want to put too much work too many words on the page because I used to read manga when I was younger. I haven't read none probably within like the last 10 years, maybe. Not because I don't want to support the show or anything like that. But one, really, to be honest, one of the biggest ones is I don't ever have time. I never, ever have time to just sit down and get in that nice, comfortable zone to just read it. That's one. And then trying to actually read it, you know, backwards as it's intended to be. I be getting lost. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I be getting lost. So... You know, if it's something that I like, hopefully it turns into an anime so I can watch it there and then, you know, support by, you know, buying their gear and T-shirts and stuff like that. But, you know, and thinking that way, I was like, well, if I'm like that, I know there's other people who have to be the same way. So I was like, I'm going to try and put these bubbles, you know, in, in specific areas to where hopefully people don't get lost and do the same thing I do. Oh, I love that. I, I noticed it and it it made um, the read easy, really easy. It made the read really easy and it made me pay attention to the things I think you were trying to highlight in each yes. page. I love that. Very intentional with your thought process. I love talking to artists because I don't really have that mind 
um, as far as like creating a, a manhwa or a manga or a comic that my mind doesn't really think like that. So talking to people about how they thought these processes out is really intriguing to me uh, and interesting because that's just like my brain just doesn't work like that. So that's cool. That's really cool. <laughs> so what do you see for the future of Death Bride? I see big. Big? <laughs> I love I that. Big. How big? What big? How big? I'm trying to go as big as I can go. Whoever's there to listen, I'm trying to. I'm trying to go big. Like I said, I, I go to cons. Um, I used to be on the other side of the table, you know, walking up and looking at people's different artworks. And now the tables have turned or now I have a table and people come up and view my artwork. And so now I get to show them, you know, this story that I worked so hard in writing. Um, it is ongoing, if we didn't mention that before. Um, you know, and I just really appreciate that most of my networking comes from going to cons. I've met many different voice actors, um, one of which she loved my birds. Because before I started actually drawing death brides, I used to draw animals and I do pet portraits for people. Um, and one of the uh, voice actors who was there, it was actually Cynthia Krantz. She was the original uh, Chi-Chi from Dragon Ball Z. And uh, she came to my table and she just loved my birds. And she asked if I could do a commission for her of her bird, her her little, uh, I forget what kind of bird it is. It's one of those little bitty birds, you know, they, they kind of look like parakeets. I don't remember the actual name, but uh, <laughs> she had me, she sent me a picture of her bird that she wanted me to draw and I drew it and the rest is history. So that is really cool. Yeah, we're really good friends. Um, we still talk here and there. She gives me like tips and pointers and she helps, uh, you know, semi promote my story. She'll make a post about it or she'll comment, you know, things like that. And it's just great because, you know, I get to, I get to meet all these different people now and you know even though it's still small and you know i'm still doing it on my own maybe one day if it did became a show these same voice actors can be acting as characters in my story that would be so cool that would i so know cool. wouldn't it i love that <laughs> oh man i'm really glad that we had a chance to talk um and that you were willing to share and like come on and do this with me so is there anything else that you want to tell people? Where can they find you? So they can find me on Twitter. Um, I still use my Facebook, but I'm mostly on Twitter now. And you can, why is this popping up? Sorry, I'm trying to make sure I give <laughs> my name the correct way because some people keep adding an S at the end of my handle and there's no S. So it's just at Death Bride Comic. There's no S in there. And uh, I'm mostly on Twitter now. Um, you can also find my website because I do have two versions. I have the Amazon version, okay, of my book. That is where you just get the book straight to you. Um, and, you know, it's just a book. Or you can buy it from my website at deathbride.com. And that has my signature in it. And I actually personalize the book for you. And I send it to you. That's nice. That's yes. nice. That's really nice. 
And also one other thing I want to throw out there, because uh, I don't want people to get discouraged, because I feel like a lot of people, um, they'll see certain shows, and even though they may honestly think to themselves that they don't see color, sometimes people will see a character, you know, let's say a black character, for instance. Matter of fact, I'll take Power, for instance, if any of you watch Power. I really feel like there are some people in the world who will see the uh, character, the main character of Power and be like, oh, this story's not for me. You know, mm. and it's like, that should it shouldn't even be like that. Like, if you want to watch the, the story, then watch the story. Like, you shouldn't, there shouldn't be a title on here that says, this is for you, this ain't for you. So I don't want people, yeah, I don't want people to see Death Bride and see, you know, people describe it as, you know, black female owned. I don't want that to scare off people to think that this story isn't for them and that they can't read it because that's not the case. That's not the case. That's that's literally just highlighting that there needs to be more diversity in this field. That's all that says. Doesn't say, hey, don't read this because you're not black. Nobody said that ever. <laughs> so funny that you say that because pretty much every single person that I've interviewed so far for the podcast has been a black female. That's just my preference of who I want to talk to and who I want to highlight at this point in my life. And I, it's really funny because every single person has, has mentioned that they've said something about, you know, I, I really want to make people that look like me. I want to make a story that feels like me, but I also don't want other people to be discouraged uh, because it's it's a black main character or it's ran by a black person. And I really want to dive into that. We won't do it today, but I really do want to dive into where that comes from for us. Cause I feel like we always feel like we have to like explain ourselves where it really shouldn't be like that. Because mm -hmm. if it's something white, we don't think that. We don't think, ugh, it's a white person. This is not going to be for me. And I think it white's comes the from, default. Yeah, because <laughs> white's the default. And because when it comes to black characters or black people, we think that just because it's a black character, it's automatically going to be some kind of like ghetto love story or something yeah. very traumatic slavery shit, something like that. So I think... I think that it's nice that you said that, but I want us to one day get to a place where we don't have to give people these these precursors to appreciate our work. Like you shouldn't even be thinking that to begin with. This is just a story, like any other story. The character just exactly. happens to be black. Because black people come in all kinds of like we like all kinds of different stuff. We come in all different shapes and sizes, just like everybody else. Yes. And I can actually say that is I'm very glad that my mom told me one day she said you don't have any black characters how come you don't have any black characters I'm very glad that she did that because now in my in my story I, I can at least say this it's not a spoiler or nothing but I can at least say in my story that yes there are black people but it's not in the sense of like how we know black people you know at the like we're black like being black in America and being black in Africa or being black in, you know, in, in Haitia or in, uh, Puerto Rico and things like that. You know, at the end of the day, you know, to the wrong person, you still black, you know. But in my story, I have it to where there's actually different types of races that do appear black, but they are like, you know, some other type of uh living being you know so they are basically like humanoids or whatever you want to call them but um you know to us 
they will be, you know, black. And one character, I don't care if it's a spoiler. I can't wait to get it off my chest. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Um, getting exclusive here, guys. We're getting yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and say it because I just love her. Um, as you will see as the story goes on, that there are many different traits of real world situations and, you know, happenings that are portrayed in Death Bride. Um, one of those I will definitely say now is this character who you will see in volume two. Her name is Chaz. Um, Chaz, she is also black, um, but she is a lighter skin type of black, you know, kind of like if she was real, I'd say she's probably like a maybe not yellow, but like more like the red tone kind of. Um, but she's not bone. as dark. Yeah, red bone. Yeah, there you go. She's not as <laughs> she's not as dark as Krenza, but she is to me still black. Um, but anyway, Chaz Chaz has vitiligo. Um, yes, but not only does she have vitiligo the type of race that she is that is the norm so everybody who is like her has vitiligo so it's not just a you know in real life it is a you know skin deformity basically but in the story that's part of you know that's her trait of the race that she is everyone has vitiligo and it's all everybody's spots are different you know in their culture they view it as beautiful whereas you know in real life some people may be like oh you know you're ugly your skin's not the same blah 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 but in their culture it's the complete opposite you know so people who have solid color skin they don't have that trait they're the ones viewed as you know oh you're ugly where's your spots all that type of stuff and so you know that that's how it is with that and the one of the biggest traits about her some people may not like me for this, but I feel like it needs to be ex <laughs> I feel like it needs to be explained. You know, a lot of people have this weird misconception that, you know, all black women are angry and that's not the case. But I did want to highlight that in her character because she she probably she will. I'm not going to say probably she is perceived as angry, but her role in the story gives there a re gives a reason for that so i i definitely did want to highlight things so you'll see stereotypes in my story but not for the negative meaning if you see a stereotype it's because i'm highlighting something that happens in real life and i'm just turning it around you know for the sake of the story but to still highlight that this shit really does happen in real life Ooh, i'm excited i'm really i was already excited but now like talking to you and getting to the root of where all this stuff is coming from and where the story is going. I'm just, I'm really excited. Do we know when volume two is coming out? I hate to give a definite date and then okay, not follow I, through, but I, I haven't it. not, I haven't not followed through yet. I actually beat my last time. I was telling people January last year and I was actually finished with it December 13th. So I actually finished like almost a whole month early. So there's that, that was good, but let's shoot for August for volume two. Okay, and I would love to talk to you again once volume two is out because- Most definitely. Yes, I love it. We gotta I talk love about it. it. We gotta talk about it. <laughs> yeah, and just so we put that out there, I will definitely explain more things in volume two. I know I didn't get to really explain everything I wanted in volume one, mainly because I was on a time limit, 
I've never drawn this stuff before. Uh, as far as digitally speaking, I do draw everything digital on my iPad at home. Um, so there was a lot of factors as to why I didn't get to explain everything that I wanted in volume one, plus trying to meet my deadline as well. But since we didn't already did it and we're just starting over again with something new, hopefully I don't have to rush this time. <laughs> hopefully I don't have to rush this time and I can put everything that, you know, is important in volume two and then get y'all ready for volume three. Okay. All right. Well, I know we, we called ourselves wrapping up like a little bit ago when I asked you where they could find you, <laughs> but then I started talking about something else and we got on a tangent, but it's fine. <laughs> but one more time, uh, go ahead. Let's close it out. Tell people where they can find you um, and where the book is, where the comic is available and how they can connect with you. Right. So like I said, the best way to find me is on Twitter. Okay. At, at Death Bride Comic. No There's S. No S. <laughs> no S. If you would like a copy of the book, you can either find it also on my Twitter in the links. It's just deathbride.com. It comes signed and personalized by me. Or you can also find it on Amazon. I do not have the Amazon link available off the top of my head, but I definitely will make a post about it right after here if you want to bypass the signature and everything and just get it straight off of Amazon. So I will definitely have that pinned. All right. Well, I thank you so much for hanging out with me and chatting with me. It's been it's been fun. I've gotten some some juicy details that I wanted to know selfishly, <laughs> selfishly asking. <laughs> and I'm excited for volume two. I'm excited for everything that's going to come to you into Death Bride. And I do see really big things for you and for your comments. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you're like my first interview that I've ever done, like as far as this is concerned. So hopefully if this does go somewhere one day, I can be like, yeah, I got it done with Moody first. You know, no, 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 no. You know. Look at me. I'm, I'm so, so exclusive. <laughs> look at what's being exclusive. Like, look at this. I hope that you all enjoyed that interview. Yedik is actually hilarious. And we ended up talking for quite some time after the interview. Be sure to support her. Um, I'm going to put some links for where you can find Death Bride in the show notes. This was a great episode for me. I can hear myself kind of growing a bit. And I'm really excited for you guys to hear the next interview that I do. Um, it's already slated. And it's, it's a wild one. <laughs> it's a wild one for sure. But the next episode will not be an interview. The next episode is going to be a mini-sode where I talk about winter anime that I really, really loved. And also, as we do a little peek into spring, really spring has sprung. So it's going to be more of a first impressions of some of the episodes that I've already watched. So be sure to come back. I think that I'm going to make Wednesdays our regular day for me to release episodes. I'm still debating on if this is going to be a weekly thing or not because I'm me and yeah, that may or may not happen. But I really am going to try to start being consistent with this on a weekly basis. And Wednesdays, I think, is the best day for me right now at this point. Also, last time I forgot to mention that this 
dope-ass music that you hear in the background is created by one of my favorite mutuals on Twitter, at Alone With You. You can find all of their music on Spotify. I'm also going to link that in the show notes. He has been nice enough to let me use this music for the podcast. He creates lo-fi sounds, and you guys know that's my jam. So if that's something that you're interested in, please go ahead and give his stuff a listen. It's good It's good stuff. He creates a lot of anime-inspired lo-fi as well, so I think it's going to be y'all's jam. As always, thank you all for giving me your time. Time is a non-renewable resource. So the fact that you're giving me even just like a little drop of your time, it means so much to me. Um, give me some feedback again. This is only episode two. I'm still trying to grow. I'm not. I'm never going to be too uh, proud to ask for criticism or to ask people to let me know if, if shit's terrible, if shit's terrible. Um, but also please know I fight back. So don't, don't say anything crazy to me. I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my shit, but let me know if there's anything that you think I can improve on. Until next time, I'm Moody Senpai. This is Alt Arc. I hope that you have a dope ass week. Peace. Peace.